Leanne Tran, psychologist who's worked with families whose kids don't fit the mould for almost 20 years. I've worked with children for decades, but I know parents are the real change makers when it comes to their kids. Having three kids of my own means I know it's not easy. Parent Like a Psychologist is all about simplifying how you support your kids with psychology information filtered through years of experience to take you from overwhelmed to confident. Come on in. Hello, thank you for joining me again for this episode. Does your child have anxiety? If they do, this is going to be a really useful episode for you. I have been thinking about anxiety a lot lately because I've been putting together information for a webinar I'm doing in a couple of weeks designed to teach parents about anxiety, where it comes from, what maintains child anxiety, uh, and also what they can do to help some practical strategies. The other reason it's been on my mind is because I had a question from a parent earlier this week about whether she had caused the anxiety her child was experiencing. The funny thing is, this is not an uncommon question. I get it a lot. Uh, I think as parents, we always want the best for our kids. We feel like we don't know what we're doing. And sometimes when we look back, we can see things clearly that we missed going through the first time. Um, by that, what I mean is, you know, we don't, we don't always see things as they're happening, but looking back on things a few months later, we can tell our kids had some challenges. So I think it's really a common question we have about how much did we as parents contribute to the challenges our kids are having. So today I wanted to talk a lot about what causes anxiety, where it comes from and whether um, things we're doing might be contributing to anxiety and also touch a little bit on what you can do as parents to be able to help your kids. And at the end, I'll finish off by talking about a bit of a family challenge and tell you where you can access some resources for that. Um, I've put some on my website so that after listening today, you can download the activity sheet and get started helping your kids straight away. How awesome is that? So anxiety, what is it? I think it's a word that's used a lot uh, about feeling nervous. Um, people often say he has anxiety, she's anxious, that kind of thing. It's worth clarifying that sometimes there is normal anxiety and sometimes the anxiety is so significant that it impacts with a child's day-to-day -day functioning and that's what we would consider clinical anxiety or an anxiety disorder or something like that. Separating it out from the day-to-day -day nerves that are normal uh, or situational anxiety that's normal like having to talk in front of a uh, group of people. So assemblies and things like that. That's pretty normal, I would say, to feel nervous about that. So sometimes it's low-level anxiety day-to-day -day that's normal. If it's increased but in a particular situation, that's normal as well. I'm going to talk a little bit about what fear is first and how that compares to anxiety and then talk about what's normal at different ages as well. 
So when we think about fear, I mean, we probably all know what it feels like, (laughs) fear, but fear is kind of a rational response that our body gives us to alert us to a threat or to danger. And it's designed to prepare our body to get out of that danger. So there's three parts to the anxiety that we feel. The first part is our thinking or our thoughts about it. So we have we have thoughts about the dangerous situation and the threat. Thoughts are things we say in our head. Sorry if I'm, <laughs> you know, dumbing it down a little too much, but I'm used to talking to little kids. So thoughts are what we say to ourselves in our head. So things like, that is scary. I can't cope with this. I am terrified. The second thing that happens is we get feelings. So with anxiety, it's that feeling of unease uh, or fear, I should say. With fear, it's unease, wariness, um, not feeling comfortable, like something's not quite right. That goes along with fear. The third thing is we get body sensations. So that's because our body is actually changing in response to what we think is a threat and it's starting to prepare the body to run away or to fight whatever's dangerous. So that might be things like our heart rate increasing and all the blood draining from our, well, the rest of us to our muscles to help them get ready to run away. And so that can leave that kind of sick feeling or lightheaded feeling, dizziness. So we're thinking about the situation we're having a feeling, but we're also body, our body is getting ready, preparing to run away or to fight. So that's why when people talk about the fight or flight response, that's what it actually is. Those bodily sensations, um, getting us ready to deal with the threat. Fear is normal in some situations. And often I will talk to kids about examples when it makes sense to be scared. Um, Maybe there is a, um, oh, I'm trying to think of what's a scary example. Because usually I would talk about a dog as a scary example. And maybe for some kids that makes sense, but usually dogs aren't a threat. So what's a probably um, a more serious one is maybe a crocodile. (laughs) We saw Um, my kids and I went on a holiday to the Northern Territory last year. And then we've just recently seen in the news how in the same waterhole we swam in, there was a saltwater crocodile. Now that is a legitimate cause for fear. So that is natural. It's adaptive. And what adaptive means is it's useful. Um, It makes sense for us to be afraid because it's going to be helpful in managing that situation. What is um, not normal fear is when we get that same fear response, but it's in response to a situation that doesn't warrant that level of fear. So it might be that we get those same sensations as if a crocodile was heading our way when we just have to say goodbye to our parent to go to school in the morning. Um, Or maybe when we have to give that talk in front of the class, that's when maybe a little bit of nervousness is warranted, but not that full fear reaction. And anxiety is when we're getting that full fear reaction in um, situations that don't warrant it, where it's um, 
not appropriate or doesn't make sense. So why does anxiety happen? This is where the question parents often ask is, how did they get it? Is it from me? Did I give it to my child? And usually parents, I think, are worried when they have their own anxiety that then they've put that onto their kids. So let me talk about where anxiety comes from. Um, as kids develop, they learn new ways of thinking and develop new skills. And when that happens, it's natural that new parts of the world open up to them a little bit um, and they consider things for the first time. And that's often where these, um, that's often where normal fears come from. So we call them developmental fears. Um, that means that because of how they're developing, um, that means that because of how they're developing, there's normal fears associated um, at that time. So I'm kind of waffling a bit, but what I mean is, so for example, when kids are little, they start to have imagination in those toddler years, but they haven't quite developed the ability to tell what's real and what's not real yet. So they will often end up being afraid of the dark because they're imagining stuff and they don't know if it's real. So that's a typical kind of normal developmental fear that generally is not very significant and goes away with time. As kids get older, the way they view themselves is in relation to their successes. So whether that's at school or sports or um, hobbies. So that means they might have test anxiety or a little bit of social anxiety because as they realize how other people see them, they start to consider that for the first time and, and those normal developmental fears occur. So that sets the scene then for how more significant anxiety challenges take place. The causes for anxiety disorders, which are those significant experiences of anxiety we're talking about, is um, genetic in some parts. In some parts, it's temperament or personality. And in some parts, it can be modeling um, from parents so that kids learn things about the world that lead them to be anxious. So first off, we're talking about um, the physical parts of anxiety. So I said genetic, um, it's genetic or biological, and those things are a tiny bit different. So in terms of genetic, it means that um, there's parts or, or genes in the DNA that can make kids more vulnerable to developing anxiety. Um, there's a couple of genes that are consistently associated with anxiety um, and those are ones that let us know what medications might be helpful. The other way, um, the other physical way that anxiety can occur is by the um, neurology. So that neurology means brain. It's, it's essentially either the brain structure or the chemicals in the brain. So the structures associated with processing emotions can work differently in some kids and that leads them to be more vulnerable to developing anxiety. The second area is um, the temperament or personality factors. So temperament kind of just means how you're wired. If you're a chilled out person or if you're a person who is kind of more emotional um, 
and kids who seem to be more reserved and slower to act in new situations or more likely to um, be cautious in new situations are the kids who are more vulnerable to being anxious. So you can probably think in your family who those people might be. And personality is a little bit different. Temperament's kind of more along the lines of how we're wired. And then personality can change a bit over time, but it's things like how we think and feel and and value. So um, people who are introverted um, or have personality factors like having difficulty um, handling unknown situations can be more vulnerable to anxiety as well. So there's lots of genetic and biological factors there. Um, some of the, so because it's genetic, that means you know in some part you may have passed those things down to your kids through genetics. There's not much you can do about that. You kind of ha- can't have kids really a lot of the time without passing on your genes to them. So that's just you know nothing you can really change. Um, there are then some parenting factors as well that can contribute to anxiety but don't feel guilty yet (laughs) I'm going to teach you how to flip those around into positives as well so um, the parenting things that can affect anxiety for one is modeling so a majority of kids who have anxiety have a parent who has anxiety as well Um, that means that because a parent may be struggling with their own anxiety, they're likely to avoid anxious situations because that keeps us calm and happy. And so what your kid is inadvertently learning is that it's much better to avoid scary situations. Um, That means that they're not trying as many on their own and they don't experience the... um, the fact that we can feel anxious but get through it okay so that kind of maintains that fear of being anxious and fear of those um, anxiety provoking situations Um, modeling is one way the other the other thing parents sometimes do by not realizing it is that they might reinforce their child's anxiety Um, either because they, you can see how much your child's struggling from it. And so you, you don't want them to be in those situations. So you can end up kind of agreeing with them that it is too much for them to handle. Um, and then you can help them by avoiding those situations as well. So when you're talking to kids about um, their fears and, and agreeing with them, that reinforces that way of thinking that, that um that anxious pattern of thinking. And when you reinforce to them that it's okay to avoid that situation, then that that also reinforces the fact that it's it's a scary thing. Uh, And kids don't get the experience of trying stuff and being able to, um, sorry, being able to experience that it's not um, life-threatening. What else? So, The other thing is the relationship as well. So sometimes if parents have had a real struggle being there for their kids and reading their cues and what they need, that 
relationship is not so strong between parents and kids. That can happen for a range of reasons. You know, it's um, it's really hard to know what our kids need. Um, and so that can just be from just really not knowing or not being sure what the right thing to do is. The other thing is that it may be from um, difficulties when your children are little, like um, postnatal depression or you know, stress within the family, medical um, difficulties and that kind of thing. So there's lots of reasons that that can come about. It just makes kids kind of less sure of themselves um, because how they get their sense of security and safety is through their relationship with you as their parents. Um, the other thing is that sometimes the way families approach Things or the family belief system can kind of impact kids developing anxiety as well. And so that's where parents might be very prone to looking at risks um, and see things as risky or threatening rather than neutral. Um, and it might be, I, I sometimes explain it as though it's taking that approach of it's better to be safe than sorry. So let's just be careful and avoid that rather than that, well, in the extreme, it's like the fear, feel the fear and do it anyway um, philosophy. You don't have to go that hardcore, but um, a, a happy medium might be, oh, it is a little bit nerve wracking, but let's give it a go because we're pretty resilient and we can do this. So in summary, how anxiety comes about um, is a bit genetic and biological. It's a bit about your child's temperament and personality. So some of that is inherited from you. And then in some cases, it's a little bit about um, the parenting strategies or family kind of um, functioning as well. These things all, um, so the, there's that kind of vulnerability is raised for kids who have these kind of genetic or biological differences and and that certain kind of slow to warm up temperament. And what happens is that if there's lots of stresses around the time when um, it might be normal development for those fears to emerge, if there's lots of stresses at that time, that's what can then um, trigger children to develop significant anxiety. And so changes, um, changes are stressful. So when we're talking about um, having a stressful time, it's not so much um, stress itself for children. It's more along the lines of changes and having to deal with challenges. So some of those challenges might be um, starting school. Some of them might be moving house. Uh, sometimes it's having a younger sibling being born. <laughs> So that could be attributed to you as well as parents, I guess, but that's just a normal part of life, isn't it? And sometimes when lots of those stresses happen at once, so you might, um, for example, a new baby's born, um, you don't have a lot of room in the house, so you need to move house and then you start school or maybe you have to change schools because you've um, needed to move house. Those kind of things can all accumulate and that's what we talk about um, when we reference having um, a stressful kind of period and time. So 
lots of reasons why anxiety can happen. Um, this is the bit that I always like talking to parents about, which is how to flip that around to see it in the positive way. Because that's what resi resilience is all about. And so if you can flip things around and look at them in a positive light, that's going to help your kids and it's going to help you feel better about everything as well. So genetics um, and the brain and the brain structure, you can't do too much about. In serious um, cases, you might want to consider medication for your child and that can kind of address that um, physical side of things. But what I want to talk about today is what you can do as parents. So if the, here's how I flip them around. If you're thinking, oh, I have anxiety, so it's genetic, I've given my child anxiety, don't see it as a negative thing. You can flip it around and think you actually understand what it's like to have anxiety and a lot of it. So you are uniquely positioned to empathize with your child. You don't have to guess how they're feeling when their tummy is all tied in knots and they feel like they just can't do it because you felt that, you know what it's like. So you have a massive amount of empathy. I always say to parents too that empathy leads to patience. The more you can understand your child, um, the more patient you can be with them. Uh, the second thing is if you think about maybe it's the relationship that you haven't had that strong bond with your child and you feel like you've just not ever been able to connect um, in that right way. That's not something to beat yourself up about. That's something that you can focus on. And so having that relationship is really good for kids developing resilience and positive mental health. So how you can grow that relationship is by spending five to 15 minutes a day with your child um, and just try and connect, do something they enjoy and just be with them. So the goal is just to delight in your child in whatever they're doing and kind of whoever they are at their core. Uh, another thing is that if you think that maybe your child has seen some of your challenges with anxiety, they've, um, you've modeled that to them, that's okay too, because now you have the opportunity to model to your kids how to manage the anxiety how to use some strategies and challenge yourself and overcome it. So you can do that by um, saying things to your kids out loud um, as you feel them and think them. So an example um, that I use a lot, and sometimes this is pretend in, in therapy sessions with kids, I might say, oh, I'm really nervous to do a drawing because I'm not very good at drawing. Actually, that's not a helpful thought. I can try my best. I'll give it a go. So by flipping that modeling around, you can model the strategies to use to your kids. Um, the other thing you can model is taking a deep breath when you're feeling nervous. That's an easy one to do most times. Um, it doesn't take long. You can do it anywhere. So if you tell your kids that you're feeling nervous, you're going to stop and take a breath. You might say then, oh, I feel a little bit better now. 
that's a great way to model these things. Um, the final thing I wanted to talk about was that if you have been rewarding, um, not rewarding, what's the, reinforcing your kids' anxiety by accident, by either agreeing with them that things are too scary to try or avoiding those situations with them, then you have the opportunity to turn that around and start trying to encourage and challenge each other to get out of your comfort zone. So kids often will feel singled out if they're the only ones encouraged to change their habits. It can go a lot better if families do these things together. So rather than agree with your kid that things are too scary to try and avoid them, a challenge for you is to think about some situations that you haven't been doing that maybe you could um, try. So that might be for your child talking to a shopkeeper um, or it might be as a family if you're learning to ride bikes or anything like that. It doesn't have to be something everyone's worried about. Um, it can be just something little. Little things are, and little changes are often the best to start with because it builds confidence for trying the bigger things. So um, you can set a family challenge where you try to tell yourself positive things about the situations um, and then tackle them tackle things that are a little bit out your, outside your comfort zone. And by building that experience of success, um, your kids will benefit from it by learning that anxiety doesn't have to prevent them doing stuff. Um, because what I didn't mention before is those bodily sensations, right? Sometimes if you think about when you're super frightened, it doesn't feel nice. So if kids are feeling that, um, they, they think that they are in danger and unwell. If they avoid it, they think, phew, that worked. I avoided that situation. But if they stick with it and go through it, those bodily sensations will not last. They will go away. And that builds evidence for kids that the feelings, um, they can handle them because they feel it for a short time and it goes away and they have success. So that's the reason why it's important to try these little outside your comfort zone challenges for kids. So because I know uh, it's not always easy to find this information and because I listen to all my podcasts in the car while I'm doing the school run because I do it about 10 times a week, um, I have put some stuff on my website so that you can go and download it so that you can start your own family challenge. So if you head to the website, it's leantran.com.au slash brave. I've got a workbook there you can download that talks about um, some of these tips. So it's just going to be focused on the stuff that will help. So a few of the tips that you can follow I'm going to talk about how to try and do a little bit of brave thinking and a little bit of relaxation because um, those are the steps that you're going to need to then be able to do the family challenges and stretch outside your comfort zone. 
So I'll teach you how to do them and have in there a step plan as well so that once you've done one little thing, you can think about what you're going to do to take more and more steps towards building resilience um, and becoming a family who can get out of their comfort zone and try new things. So again, leantran.com.au slash brave. I would really love to hear how you go with it. So if you do any of these challenges, please put it on Instagram and tag me in it, Leantran Psychology, because I would really love to see um, the impact this might have in the real world in your lives. And it'll also um, give me a chance to maybe think about what else might be helpful. So all the best. Um, and as always, I think you got this. Thanks for listening to this episode of Parent Like a Psychologist. If you found it helpful, please share on Instagram so other parents can benefit too and tag me at Leantran Psychology so that I can say a big thank you. Head over to leantran.com.au to join the village for bite-sized psychology tips straight to your inbox. I really hope this podcast has brought a new perspective and you a step closer towards a calm parent and a thriving child. Have a delightful day.